um, before we open the Word. First of all, up front here today, you can get our uh, next life group book. Our life groups are starting up on the 17th, is that right? 17th? 15th? That's probably right. 15th. Um, so the books are up here. They're $10 a piece. Um, it's a compelling community. Make sure to grab one if you have not gotten one yet. Um, also, if you, uh, most people are giving online now, but if you are not, there are offering, offering plates at the back, and you can put your offering in those now. And lastly, before we get into the word, um, Pastor Smith uh, from Elohim uh, Community Church, where we work in Belize, um, they sent us a letter to thank us for all of the uh, funds that we have sent for Christmas and throughout the rest of the year. So he asked me to read this letter to our church this morning. Dear Liberty Church, you will never know the amount of heartfelt gratitude we have towards the congregation of Liberty in St. Louis, Missouri. The donation allocated to Elohim Community Church in Corazal, Belize, was carefully distributed among much-needed families in the villages of Calcutta, Libertad, Pachacan, Chanchin, San Joaquin, Ranchito, Ladyville, and Carolina in the form of food, ham, chicken, and pantry baskets. Thousands of people have lost their jobs due to the closure of the free zone at the Belize-Mexico border, as well as other local businesses due to the pandemic. We experienced flooding earlier this year, which caused the destruction of acres of food supply from farmers. Presently, Belize is under a countrywide indefinite shutdown to minimize the spread of the coronavirus. And we in the two northern districts, Corozal and Orange Walk, cannot have movement between villages and districts since we have the highest reports of infection per district. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we sincerely thank you once more for the sacrifice you have made in reaching out to us during this time of economic disaster. The graciousness to reach out to people who are not from your congregation but were in dire need of food provision for this Christmas was incredibly consoling. Thank you for letting them know that in a time of hardship, their faith in God must be unwavering. Once more, thank you for your kindness, prayers, and consideration given to us, and may God continue to bestow upon you overwhelming blessings. Glenda and I, on behalf of Elohim Community Church, would like to say thank you to Pastor Bond, Pastor Witty, and the entire congregation of Liberty Church. Love always in Christ Jesus. Pastor David H. Smith. So they are very thankful. Um, Pastor Smith uh, was just overflowing with gratitude on behalf of his congregation. And I just want to say thank you, church. Um, some of you have been to Belize and you know these people, and some of you haven't. Um, but you all gave generously, and we were able to bless um, not only their church, but their community and, and other churches. So... Praise the Lord for that. Um, I also just want to say to our brothers and sisters in Belize who are watching, we do love you and we're thankful to be able to stand beside you in some way, even though circumstances currently prevent us from being able to come and see you. We hope and pray that we will be able to see you face to face again soon. Today um, is going to be a little bit different than normal. We're going to jump around between a few verses before we look at our main text. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 3. 
If you don't have your Bible, there should be a Bible underneath your chair. So in Romans 3, Paul writes of God's faithfulness, and then he goes on to show that everyone is sinful. No one's righteous, not even one, it says. None of us can live up to the law, and that leaves us all in a bad spot. Because we're all lawbreakers, we're all sinners. If you doubt it, try going through the Ten Commandments and see how many you broke this week. Um, And then Romans 3.23 says, just to make it clear, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you flip over a couple of pages, in Romans 6.23 it says that the wages for sin, since we're all sinners, the wages for sin is death. Talking about eternity in hell here. And if you look in Revelation, you, you can see some about hell. In Revelation 20, it says that anyone whose name is not found in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. And those who are in the lake of fire are tormented day and night forever and ever. So that's bad, right? Most of us have never been tortured before, not in a real way. Um, but to be tortured, tormented forever and ever, day and night, that sounds terrible. So we want our names to be written in the book of life, right? Amen. I want my name written in the book of life, that we would be able to join Jesus in heaven with God the Father in a place free from pain and tears, free from death and mourning. Um, Both Romans 3 and 6 uh, talk about sin, but they talk about more than just the problem of sin. Romans 6.23 finishes that verse. Um, It finishes by saying that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Romans 3, if you read all of it, it doesn't just say that we're sinners. Um, I'm going to read verses starting in verse 21. It says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, a law that we couldn't keep, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed before him unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So God presented Jesus to save us. He presented Jesus to save us. So we can have righteousness through him. Jesus was our sacrifice. He paid the price for our sins so that we could stand forgiven and righteous. And it's clear here that Jesus is the gift of God. He is our sacrifice. He is the one that God appointed our salvation to come through. Scripture is clear on that. Is there is there another way to receive forgiveness except through Jesus? No, there there is not. Are there other ways to be saved? No. John chapter 14 says Jesus answered, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Only through Jesus 
can you find salvation? You agree with that, church? Yes. So, can believing in Allah save you? No, it doesn't. Can being a Buddhist save you? Can pagan practices save you? Can works or faith in anyone besides Jesus save you? I just want to make sure we're clear on this. We're on the same page. So, if that's true, what is the destiny for anyone who has not trusted in Christ for salvation? Hell. That's the destiny for anyone who has not trusted in Christ for salvation. So, when someone dies, if they have not put their faith in Jesus, eternity in hell. That is what happens. Church, there are a lot of people who have not heard about Jesus. There, there are a lot of people that don't believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people in our community that don't believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people in our, our nation that don't believe in Jesus. And so a lot of times when we think of sharing the gospel and we think of, you know, we think of our community and we've we got to tell these people, a lot of them have heard and they, they've either rejected or they haven't put their, their faith in Jesus. Um, but there are also a lot of people that have not heard about Jesus. There are people, probably not very many, if any, in the United States who have, don't know Jesus' name, but there are people all around the world that don't even know the name of Jesus. The Great Commission has not been fulfilled, not by a long stretch. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the command, this command is clear, and it was given to us. It was given to the church. And our task is unfinished. We are not done. And we, as the church, all have a part to play in this task, both here in our community and around the world. So in a little bit, we're going to look at some more scripture. But today, visiting with us, um, we have some of our missionary friends, um, Raymond and Leanne Cook. And in a moment, they're going to come and, and join me up here. They're getting ready to leave for the mission field. And our youth group, IGY, started supporting them a few months ago, and our church is going to um, be supporting them as well. So they're going to come up and we're going to have a little Q&A uh, with them. And then we will look some more at scripture. So Raymond and Leanne, if y'all want to come up, I have some chairs here for you. Raymond and Leanne, tell us a little bit about yourselves. How did you come to know Jesus Christ um, and how did y'all meet? <laughs> Fine. Um, so, tell us a little bit about yourselves. How did you come to know Jesus? How did y'all meet? Okay. Um, so, uh, ooh, uh, I came to know Jesus. Uh, I guess I, I grew up. Um, my mom was Roman Catholic, and I went to Catholic school. And um, my dad was Pentecostal and uh, very charismatic, and so we went there to that church on Sunday morning. It was a weird thing, um, but. Uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, we read the Bible, and at that point, I started to learn about Jesus. Um, fast forward, uh, high school, military, got out of military, and um, 
I uh, was completely lost. Didn't I, I knew about Jesus, but I wasn't concerned about Jesus, if that makes sense. Um, and uh, I was introduced to uh, another Jesus at age 21, um, and that was a Jesus of uh, the prosperity gospel or the health and wealth gospel. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't portrayed to me as that, um, but that's uh, eventually how I came to know who Jesus was. Um, God used uh, a crooked stick, a fake Jesus, to draw a straight line for me, and that straight line was his word. Um, the church I attended, after every every sermon the, that the pastor preached, he would always direct us to go read that passage for ourselves, so that we, you know, we could see um, that what he was preaching was true. And so I did. And um, as soon as I started digging into my Bible, I couldn't stop. Um, and that just, you know, I didn't just read the passage that we that he read uh, and preached on Sunday mornings. I would read all the time, everywhere, and so um, over the years I got to know, uh, I, I got to see how uh, the Jesus that I was hearing about and the Jesus in the Bible were different, and so I'm grateful to God that um, that's how he drew me out of that and into his marvelous light. Um, that's a bit about my story. So um, I also grew up Catholic, and then when middle school hit, my parents gave me the opportunity to decide if we were going to go to church or not anymore, and we sadly decided not to, um, and then went into high school, public high school, and there I was um, invited to go to this group that met after school, and we studied the word. I just went because my friend invited me, so invite your friends, because you never know how the Lord's going to use that. Um, and so through that group, the leader had called me out and said, hey, do you want to get coffee? And I love coffee. So, of course, I said yes, and I didn't realize how my life would radically change from there. Um, the gospel was presented, and my heart was forever changed. Um, and from there, we, um, we met at Bible College, and he was this man that wanted to put mud on his face and go to the villages out in the middle of nowhere and at that point I'm like eh, I don't know about that I want to be overseas but I wasn't sure about living in the middle of nowhere and but the Lord um, just grew my desire to reach the unreached people groups and seeing that there is this deep need for us to go cool so I guess that leads to the next question what what drew y'all to consider becoming missionaries and why specifically translating So just as I was saying earlier, just the um, just through my missions class that I was taking and realizing that I never really felt comfortable in an American setting. That sounds strange, um, but I I knew that I desired to be somewhere overseas and to really entrench myself in another culture and to love on the people. Um, at that point, I didn't know what that looked like. I went from doing, you know, digging wells to um, really counseling women, and I feel like those go hand in hand with sharing the gospel and having Bible studies with women, so that's what I hope that looks like overseas. Uh, I was drawn towards missions, um, it, 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 it was a bit of a process, um, initially, you know, I, I started noticing um, all over in scripture how God has been a missional God from 
uh, from the beginning through uh, Revelation through today, and um, and that kind of drew me towards um, asking about missions, and so I took a, a class on missions perspectives on the World Christian Movement. If any of you have ever heard of that, I highly recommend checking that class out. Uh, but I went through that uh, course at my church, and um, at that point, I I knew God was calling me to do something with missions. I didn't know whether it was uh, to go part time or full time or, uh, or or fund missionaries with my job. Um, so I decided to go on a trip, a short term trip to China, um, and that whole trip I was um, basically just preaching the gospel to uh, Chinese college students, and I came back on the flight back, which is a really long flight, by the way. <laughs> on the flight back, uh, I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, um, is tell people about Jesus, because um, just seeing those Chinese college students' eyes light up when, when I was talking about Jesus was indescribable. So... Um, Anyways, that's, uh, oh, I, I came back and uh, translation. Um, so I came back, I knew I wanted to do full-time missions, and um, so I started looking at different organizations. I talked to my pastors and elders at my church, and uh, they, they confirmed or affirmed that this was a good step for me to, to, to take, and so I started looking at different organizations. And... Uh, and I, that's where I first heard the need about Bible translation. At that point, I didn't know that, I, you know, I didn't really make the connection I knew about, you know, in high school we took, uh, I took Spanish and, like, French was offered and German. But that's about all I had thought about languages up to that point. And then I heard, uh, sitting across the table from somebody uh, with a Bible translation org, that uh, there are... At that time, there were like 1,800 languages that didn't have a single word of God's uh, of the Bible in their language. Not not a word. That means that's representative of hundreds of millions of people that can't even read the name of Jesus in their language, let alone the gospel, the message that you know what Jesus came to do. And I, I just I, I I thought back to how I came to faith, how God used that crooked stick to bring me, uh, bring me unto himself. Um, and that was the Bible. And I, I just, I, I, I had to, that's what I had to do. I knew it. Um, and so I took the steps. The next steps uh, the recruiter said was to um, go get a, a, a college degree, a, a bachelor's, and then a master's in linguistics. And so... I did. And that's been the past <laughs> seven years or so for y'all? Yeah. yeah, about seven years uh, into that endeavor. We're, uh, I just finished, by the way. I finished my master's degree. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's been a long road, and God, I got a wife out of the deal, so God's <laughs> been super awesome through it, uh, and, and children. Um, uh, and so God's been uh, super great. And throughout this whole process, but um, there's been some trials along the way, and um, but I don't know, maybe we can talk about some of that stuff later. Yeah, so um, so for the past seven years, y'all have been getting ready, you're, you're about ready to go. What, what will life look like for y'all when you hit the mission field, and maybe where are you going? And by the way, they, they can't share certain things, um, 
because it's an unreached people group, but I'll let you share. So um, we hope to depart in April, and because that's the only time that the country is starting to open up. So we hope to land in Indonesia first to do language learning. That will take about two years. Um, there are certain goals that we hope to accomplish um, through that time. Um, we hope to be very proficient in order to therefore go into the next country that we'll be doing the translation work in, which will be Malaysia. Um, so after two years, go to Malaysia and then learn the Lono people group is who we hope to serve with. And from there, we'll start the translation process. Uh, so yeah, real quick, uh, we were whispering back and forth, maybe not everybody uh, heard. So yeah, th uh, we are going, uh, we are serving a Muslim people group, 100% Muslim in the country of Malaysia, which is closed to, uh, to missionaries, especially missionaries who want to translate the Bible. Um, so, uh, so for that reason, uh, we're using the name Lono, which is not the name of the people group, but that's just a pseudonym uh, because this is going online. But um, if any of you have any questions about that afterwards, come just come talk to us. We're, we're happy to talk about that. Uh, the Lono people are a people group of about 250,000. Um, which in the Bible translation world is, is a pretty large people group left uh, that doesn't have God's word. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, that, that's our desire is to learn the language of wider communication, then learn their, uh, their uh, local language there, the Lono language, and then translate. Um, translation process takes somewhere in the neighborhood of 25, 30 years from start to finish. So this is a long-term project. Um, and we're grateful that, uh, that you guys have decided to, to come alongside of us in that endeavor and, and partner with bringing the Bible to the Lona people. And uh, you, I think you shared the other day they very recently got their first dictionary in their language. Is that right? So um, we have another couple that's been working along this people group, and they can't do Bible translation because of their visa platform. Um, when they got there in the 90s, they didn't have any orthography, so that meant like the alphabet. They didn't have an alphabet. And so as of two years ago, they just published their first dictionary. So it's really exciting. So this other couple is helping created a school to help them learn how to read. So when the scripture starts getting translated, they can hopefully read the Bible <laughs> by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Praise the Lord. Um, so, any other things about the people group? Um, you said there's 250,000 there. I think you shared there may be one believer among them. Yeah. Uh, if I, I, I would like to tell a story about this guy. Um, so, I, won't, I, I can't say his name. Um, there is one believer, and we, we haven't met him. Um, we've heard about him. Uh, and so I'll just tell you basically the story that we've heard. Um, he is an evangelist through and through. Um, he goes to village to village to village sharing the gospel. Even though he doesn't have the Bible in his language, uh, he heard it in a trade language. And so that's, that's, his, that's what he does. Um, a few years ago, he was outside of his home, um, just right outside um, his family were all in indoors and he was doing something in the yard and um, a couple of black SUVs rolled up 
put a bag over his head, stuffed him in the car, drove off. Nobody heard from him in years. Um, he, he ended up coming back on the radar uh, and uh, recounted some of the stories, some of the, the torture that he uh, had undergone. And um, he was beaten for his faith, uh, told to recant, refused. He was electrocuted for his faith, told to recant, refused. Um, because of the electrocution that he uh, had underwent, um, he had some uh, brain damage from that. And so he is, uh, he still professes faith in Christ, but he has been severely uh he had severe brain damage, so um, basically, that's that's what it uh, that's what we're up against. Um, Muslims love to talk about their faith. Uh, it is at their core the identity of the Lono people. They are Muslim. That is their identity, um, and so for somebody to recant Islam uh, is Ostr it would mean their family would be ostracized. They wouldn't be able to buy anything from the marketplace. Um, you know, beaten, uh, tortured. Um, and so it's very costly. And so therefore, you know, nobody comes. Um, but our hope is in God's word. And we know Revelation 7 uh, talks about uh, what heaven's going to look like. It talks about the throne room of God and it talks about how surrounding the throne in worship there are people from every tribe tongue language and the lono is definitely their own tongue they it's definitely their own language and i'm convinced because of god's word that somebody will be represented if it's one it's worth it if it's 250,000 worth it amen um, a quick clarifying question, just uh, so everybody knows. So you said he knew it from the trade language. So trade language versus their language. Why is it important to translate into their language instead of the trade language? <laughs> so uh, one of the things I like to, one of the ways I like to answer this question. Um, so we like to, uh, we want to translate God's word for every language um, because uh one of the ways, like, if anybody here speaks another language, maybe you learned later in life, like, English was your first language, um, and you learned Spanish. You can read a Spanish Bible, and you can understand the Spanish Bible, and that's great. Um, and that's a, that's a great alternative um, for, for you. But uh, if English is your heart language, then that's the language that, that you can really understand that speaks to you. Um, and uh, another, one of the ways that I like to explain it is uh, we like to translate the Bible uh, so that, it, it, we like to translate the Bible in a language that moms yell at their children in. <laughs> so I don't know if that's yeah. helpful. <laughs> so the mom knows she's serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you have any idea how many people in, of the Lono group actually speak the trade language? Is it a pretty low amount? It's a pretty low amount. It's mostly the younger generation because they're trying to go for the better jobs. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, do you all have any advice to give anyone at church today who is considering pursuing missions? Talk to your pastors and elders and deacons and 
pray, have them pray for you and pray with you as you look and see how the Lord has gifted you and um, even the process of looking for an organization to go with. Um, they are going to be your backbone. <laughs> and um, this journey on the mission field is going to be really difficult. The Lord will grow you and stretch you in many ways that you would never think. Um, but it's going to be worth it. That's that's really good. Yeah, the the lo your local church body, your pastors, your elders, that is where you need to start. Um, take your if you are excited about it, take that excitement to them. They they will want to help you. They will want to guide you. Um, that's what the church is for, and that's the biblical model of being sent. We're sent by somebody. We're, we're not lone rangers. So if you are excited about missions, talk to them. Also, like if you're able to go on exploratory trips with the organization that you're possibly looking at do it because so many different organizations function in different ways and to get that one-on-one -on -one experience on the field to really see what it would look like do it and y'all are being sent by your local church yes yes that's right cool um what are some of your biggest prayer needs uh so we just finished school uh the next two steps step number one uh fundraising uh, we're in the fundraising process. Um, uh, we're grateful that the church has decided to partner with us. Uh, we are asking if, uh, if you individually or if um, you know of other churches that would be willing to, to hear us, uh, give us an ear, uh, we're fundraising. And then step number two is we are in the visa application process as well. Um, with coronavirus and everything, um, it's making that visa process more difficult. Um, so, yeah, we, we would ask for prayer for funding and for uh, the Lord to open doors with the visa application. Cool. I'm going to have Pastor Mike come up, and uh, we're going to pray for you guys, and then we'll look at the Word a little bit more. And I just want to encourage you, uh, meet them after church, talk to them, ask any questions you have. Um, they're awesome people. It says in Matthew 24, and starting in verse 13, it says, The one who endures to the end will be saved. And I think a lot of times in our culture, we have a very, we want instant results instantly, you know, and we want to see stuff happen right away, and we can get very short-sighted with things. Um, but it goes on to say, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. <coughs> so that's what we're saying our brother and sister to do is to proclaim this gospel, literally to put it into a language that people can read, that they can read for themselves firsthand the gospel. Think if that was taken away from us. I mean, hopefully we're in the word on a regular basis and we're reading it, right? And we would be uh, deprived of the riches of God's word. We want to bring those riches uh, to these people, the, the, this unnamed group that they can't name it's such a dangerous area that they're going into but we need to have a long-term goal they have a long-term goal they're talking decades decades to bring this project to a to a completion you know um and there'll be short-term goals along the way that they'll complete but we want to partner with them in helping accomplish that and we need to cling to jesus's words that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed and he wants to he wants to use these two people to help accomplish that. He wants to use the church 
to help accomplish that for this particular people group. Um, because every nation and tribe and tongue will be represented in heaven, including this unnamed people group. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are an amazing God, that you are sovereign, that you guide the steps of your children each step of the way. We pray for Raymond and his wife, Lord, that you would lead them and guide them. I pray they put their hand to the plow and not look back. I pray that you give them uh, wisdom beyond their years, give them knowledge beyond their years to take uh, your words, your very words, in its original language and put it into the words of this people group, God, that you would use it to enrich lives, you would use it to build up the kingdom, and you would use it to expand the kingdom, God. Put protection upon them going um, into um, just the enemy's territory, so to speak, God, that your hand of protection would be upon them, that they would claim this land for your kingdom, claim this land for Jesus, God, and the small fire that is burning with one gentleman there, Lord, would burn bright and would spread and would turn into a huge fire that consumes for your kingdom many people. Lord, uh, use each one of them, God. Um, bless their children, Lord. Bless their marriage. Let them be in, in unity with one another. Um, Lord, finish raising the support that they need um, to get over there in April and, and open up these doors for the visa. With everything going on with the coronavirus, miraculously open up these doors to get the visa, God, and get them over there uh, doing the work of the kingdom. Yes, God, we, we do pray these things. We ask that you would encourage them, that you would give them faith and help them to continue to, to walk by faith, provide for their every need, Lord, and um, be working on the hearts of Lono people right now, God, the people that they're going to be working with to translate, um, Lord, have their hearts ready to receive as they, as they help translate the word that they would receive salvation, um, God, that we would uh, see in whatever your time frame is here, a, a church established in that people group um, that would grow and, and take uh, the word throughout that country. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, a little bit more in the word here. Um, so, the need is great. The estimate is that there are over 3 billion unreached people in the world. 3 billion. That's, that is if everyone who is a Christian, like everyone who claims Christianity, which we know a lot of people claim Christianity in some form or fashion, if everyone who claims they were a Christian shared with everyone they knew and everyone they had contact with and all those people got saved, there would still be 3 billion people not saved in the world. 3 billion people with no contact. And that, that number is a number that is hard to even fathom. Like there's only around 350 million people in the United States. So 3 billion is a lot. They're represented by about 7,000 different people groups. And there is a reason that these people are still unreached. Okay? The, the people groups that are left are difficult to reach. 
They have hard-to-learn languages. They're in remote places or countries that are difficult to get into, um, in countries where it's dangerous and where they're hostile towards Christians. Um, A lot of them don't have Scripture in their language at all, and many don't even have a written language. And as they shared, it was just very recently that this people group even had an alphabet. Um, So there's a lot of work to do to reach them. You can't just hop on a plane and, and go over there. There's preparation and hard work. And we talked earlier this morning about hell and how real it is. And I think it's easy for us to live our lives not thinking about the reality of, of heaven or hell. But they're both real. And it might be difficult to take the gospel to these people groups, but, is the ta- but this is the task that is left with us as the church. But I want us to look at one more passage. Romans chapter 10. One of my, my favorite passages in Scripture. I'm going to start reading in verse 8. It says, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you hear that, church? Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So salvation, it's not just for the Jews. It's not just for one race. It's not just for the rich or for the poor. It's not just for those in America. It's salvation is for all who call on him. And salvation can be yours this morning if, if you don't have it. If you've not trusted in Christ, you can do that today. We just read how. It says you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. You're, you're saying my life is his. I'm giving up control. I'm, I'm trusting in him, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's not about special words. It's about faith and about trust. And if you have not put your trust in him, I encourage you to do that today. And if you've been here long, you've heard the gospel preached to you many, many times. And you live in America, so you've probably heard at least parts of it numerous times. May today be the day of salvation for you. I encourage you to repent and turn to Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So this salvation is offered to all, it says, who call on the name of the Lord. But let's read the next bit. It says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So this, this might be obvious, but, but Paul lays this out just to be clear. Church, how can someone call on 
Jesus, they don't believe in him. They don't believe he exists. You can't call on him. And how can they believe in Jesus if they have never heard of Jesus? And how can they hear of Jesus if someone doesn't tell them about Jesus? And how can someone tell others about Jesus if they haven't been sent? This, this people group, other people groups, how can anyone tell them about Jesus unless somebody sends someone out there? And so truly, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel. And one more thing I want us to see is that faith comes from hearing the message. They have to hear it. It says the message is heard through the word of Christ. People need the word of Christ in a language they can understand, which is why translation work is so important. That they would be able to hear it, read it, understand it. The cooks and a lot of others around the world are engaged in this vitally important ministry. And this is one of the reasons that some of these people groups are so hard to reach. But as believers, if, if you're here, you've trusted in Christ, you're a believer, you're, you're part of the church. When we see the task that God has given us, when we see his heart for the nations, when we, when we read through scripture, when we see what we've seen in his word today, we really have three options. So we can go, we can send, or we can be disobedient. Okay, there, there's not really, we don't get to say, oh God, I see that you care about this and you've commanded this. That's nice. Okay, you're a believer, you don't get to, you don't get to say that. You're, you're a part of it. This task has been given to us. We, we either go or we help others go. Um, and since I'm sure none of you want to be disobedient, I just want to talk briefly about these, these two options. Um, so if you aren't one of those people going and more people, less people will go, then uh, stay. But if you aren't going to the nations to reach the unreached with the gospel, you are called to be a part of sending other people. Just like in Acts chapter 13, the church set apart Paul and Barnabas and they sent them out. Okay, they sent them out. Um, so the sending process involves lots of things. Serving and making disciples in your own church. That's a part of sending as you train people up to love Jesus. Because some of those people are going to go. And so you're called, to, if, you're, if you're sending, you're called to serve and make disciples in your church. It involves praying fervently for those who do go, financially supporting those who go, being in contact with those who go to encourage them. I've been on short-term mission trips um, up to a month, and even that time frame can be discouraging. And so for, you know, going, they're talking about going and spending the rest of their life on the mission field. Like, missionaries need our encouragement. They need communication. They need contact. Um, it means encouraging those in your church and in your sphere of influence, talking to them about the importance of missions and reaching the unreached. In these ways, we partner together with those who are going and we all share the responsibility for seeing the Great Commission, the task of the Great Commission done. There's going to be more senders and goers, but both are important. And I would encourage everyone here to pray and ask the Lord what part you have to play instead of assuming one or the other. I believe God's going to call people who are older, people who are younger, people who are married and have kids, 
maybe not all of those different age groups inside of our church, but, but God doesn't just call young people. Okay? So I'd encourage you to pray and ask the Lord what part you have to play instead of just assuming one or the other. And if you're a sender for our church specifically, I encourage you to pray for the Myers and Door on a regular basis. We support them, and they are going to an unreached people group as well, like the, the deaf. Okay, there's a lot of deaf people that don't have scripture in their language, and so they're going to them. Um, and I encourage you to pray specifically for Raymond and Leanne as they work at Cape the Gospel to the Lono people. And another suggestion, um, if you have a phone, a smartphone, and I think most everyone does, you can download an app called the Joshua Project, and each day they'll have a little highlight of information for you with a different unreached people group. And some prayer suggestions so that you can pray for one of these unreached people groups. Um, IGY, our youth group, for the past two years has prayed every week at youth group for a different unreached people group. And I encourage you to start praying. As you start to pray, God will help you to care. Um, And if you think your part in reaching those who haven't heard Christ might be to go and cross oceans and and cross cultures to reach them, I'd encourage you, just as as they shared, um, come talk to Mike and I. I've been praying for a couple of years now and believe that God is going to raise up missionaries from our church body to go and reach the nations. Uh, Matthew chapter 9 says to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So I encourage you, church, let us pray that we would raise up missionaries from our own body to send into the harvest field. May we as a church body faithfully love, support, encourage, disciple, and send those in our church who God calls to go, because I believe that he will call some. And as Raymond shared, the task is large, but in Revelation it says that God will have worshipers from every tribe and language and people and nation. So the task is big, but our God is bigger, and he will help us to do this. So um, if you would stand, we're going to pray together, and we're going to sing a couple of songs to close today.